Well, good morning. I greet each one of you this morning in Jesus' precious name. Owen started out with a question, and I have kind of planned on doing the same thing. Not necessarily a trivia question, but a lot of times in the new year, and we're still in the new year, this is only, what, the ninth day? Um, And a lot of times people talk about resolutions and the things that they're going to do. So I was kind of, and one of the things that always comes out is what different exercises are you going to do, or are you planning to do, to probably to get the weight off that we gained over Christmas. So have you thought about any exercises that you're going to, or plan on doing? Well, I'll give you some that maybe we shouldn't do. Can you think of any exercises we shouldn't do? Say, well, that maybe depends on how heavy we are and what we're doing, but that's not my point. But here's some that I came across of, and I thought, you know, somebody does have a point. Some of the exercises that we shouldn't do is jump on the bandwagon, running around in circles, spinning our wheels, adding fuel to the fire, beating our head against the wall, climbing the walls, dragging our heels, jumping to conclusions, fishing for compliments, throwing your weight around, or passing the buck. Those are all exercises when you think about it. Probably some that we shouldn't be doing. Something to think about. So if you're planning your resolutions, leave those out. This morning I'd like to look at a portion of scripture that's found in 2 Corinthians 5. We'll be turning to that, or you can turn to that, but we'll be looking at it a little bit. Tim last week had a good message on God being faithful. At the time he was sharing that, I had already kind of thought about this, and the thought came to my mind then, am I faithful to God? Are we, as individuals, are we faithful to God? And in the past, a number of times at New Year's, which I'm sure I had a number of messages at New Year or soon after New Year over the years, I like to give my titles something that kind of sticks with you. And so back in 95, I had, and I could ask like Owen, how many remember what, I, what my title was back in January of 95? But I won't. Spiritually alive in 95, or in 98, I had through heaven's gate in 98. This morning, I've entitled this message, again, that's a little bit of a catchy phrase that maybe will help us to remember, and that is, what's he asking of you in 22? What's he asking of you in 22? Now, it can be, New Year's can be a time when we look back and we review things and uh, maybe make some corrections. But we should be doing that all the time, not just in New Year's. But many times, companies take New Year's and look at their employees and they review their performance for the past year. And maybe job descriptions are 
reviewed and maybe updated. And I believe here in 2 Corinthians 5 that God is laying out our job description. He's laying it out in this passage for us. Not only our responsibility, but he also gives us a title. Now, many today seem to be confused about what God wants them to do in their lives. Maybe this applies maybe to younger people, maybe more than older ones, but what does God want me to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, we may get caught up in our spiritual gifts and our talents, and I think God gives us responsibilities, and one of the reasons that he gives us spiritual gifts and talents is to perform what he has asked us to do. We come at it different. Our, our talents and our gifts are different. But our responsibility could be the same, but we're going to approach them differently. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Paul had been talking here about a heavenly dwelling and the believer's destiny, and then he comes to verse 17 and he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what is Paul saying here? He tells us that in being a new person in Christ, we are given a responsibility or a ministry that we are to, are to accomplish as ambassadors for him. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us what? Hasn't he given us the responsibility of reconciling others to him? I think he is here. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and he gave us this wonderful ministry and message of reconciliation. It says that we are Christ's ambassadors. I said we have a responsibility that he's given us a job that he's given us, but he's also given us a title. We are ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Stop and think about that. We are speaking for Christ when we are telling others that they need to come back to God. 
what God has done for them. But maybe first we need to share what God has done for us so that we, they can be reconciled back to God also. For God, it says, made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And since we've been made right, we have a responsibility to share that to others so that they can be made right and be reconciled to God. Are you a new person this morning? We say, well, we have a new year. Well, that doesn't mean that that we're a new person just because it's a new year. But are you a new person this morning? Has the old life of selfishness and sin passed away? Is it behind us? If so, you're an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for, for Christ. Now, what does that really mean? Basically, it means two different two things. First, an ambassador is someone who represents the interests of another. We have United States ambassadors stationed in other countries. They are not there on vacation or for their own interests. They're stationed there to represent the interests of the U.S. After all, their citizenship is here in the U.S., We've been stationed here to represent the interest of our homeland. Is our homeland the U.S.? Yes, but. Is our homeland Indiana? Yes. Probably for most. I'm not sure if anybody's here from any other state. Yes, but. Is our homeland Elkhart County? Well, some of you are not all from Elkhart County. But is that really our homeland? Where is our citizenship? You can talk. What does the scripture say? Where is our citizenship? It's in heaven, is it not? So we're here with our citizenship in heaven, but we're here to be ambassadors for him. Just like an ambassador from the United States goes to another land and is a messenger there from the U.S. here. Second, an ambassador is someone who bears the message of the one who sent him. Now, I would understand that a U.S. ambassador is chosen by the president. And so if I was an ambassador chosen by the president to go to Israel, for instance, I would be taking his orders and going over there and conveying to them what the wishes of the president here are. Are we doing that as ambassadors for our king? Ambassador is someone who bears the message of one who has sent him. And when you're an ambassador, you're not out making people like you or telling them what they want to hear necessarily or to please an audience although that would be part of it I'm sure but when we interact with those that have not accepted Christ we are supposed to to bear his message when I say his message I'm talking our father's message our king's message we are doing that for him it's not our opinions and not our ideas it's his that we are conveying to others 
It's not our goals. It's not our interests. Again, we are, we are being ambassador for Christ, and we bear his message. Now, the changing of who you are in your heart and becoming a new person in Christ is the first step in finding out and knowing what God wants you to do. First of all, we have to be a new person so that we have this title and we have this responsibility. I think too many people look at salvation as a one-way process. That once they accept this free gift of grace from God, everything is great. I can go about doing whatever I want to do. I can live the life that I used to live. That seems to be the consensus of many today. They can continue that just as if they had never met Jesus, but that's not correct. I noticed in the bulletin again that we, we have a, a, a sentence in there about grace. And that's, someone has said that if that's, if that's the way you look at salvation, that you can accept it and then you can go on and, and do whatever you want to do, it's called cheap grace. And cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession of known sin. Cheap grace is a grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross and grace without Jesus Christ. But that's not the grace of God's message. And so we need to proclaim his message and we need to proclaim it correctly. And too many times I don't think that's happening. But Paul writes to the church here at Corinth and to us that when we accept God's gift of salvation through the death of Christ, through the death of Jesus for our sins, we become a new creation. And we want to be obedient to him. When we become a new creation in Christ, to to be obedient to, to what he has for us. So are you a new person this morning? And if you're not, you can be. You can be. But then expect to take on the responsibility and the title that Paul is sharing with us here. Yes, God has given us a job, a responsibility, however you want to put it. No longer do you have to wonder and ask what God wants and expects of you. You have been given a ministry, a job within the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. And as sons and daughters, we should be wanting to do what he asks of us. We should be considered a privilege to be what he wants us to be and to love what our father wants us to be. And God has given us the responsibility of being ambassadors to others and reconciling, reconciling others to him. Yesterday I received an email, and I would, uh, I would, I would uh, suggest that if you have the, the, that you're able to get on the Internet and look at this, TBN has a series on right now that talks about the Abrahamic Accords. 
And I had no idea when I started to watch the one session what it was about, but it was very interesting to me since I was working on this message of ambassadors, being an ambassador, of how much the various ambassadors were involved in the Abrahamic Accords when the Muslim countries started to come in to, to accept Israel and to make peace with Israel. Those are lengthy uh, videos, but almost all of it has to do with how the ambassadors played a role in bringing the U.S., Israel, the United Arab Immigrants, Bahrain, all those countries that have come into that. And it, 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 it really blessed my heart to see that that's the very responsibility that we have as ambassadors for Christ, we're not bringing countries, but we're bringing people back to Jesus Christ. So if you have a chance to look at that, it's, it's very interesting. There's three videos, I understand. I have not watched them all, but just notice who all was involved and what they did and how enthusiastic they were about what they were doing. And I thought, what a privilege we have. Do we use it? I know I don't. I'm as guilty as anybody. But we do have a tremendous privilege to be an ambassador for our king. Let me give you an example in Mark chapter 5. You can turn to that. We'll be coming back to 2 Corinthians. But in Mark chapter 5, we'll read a couple of verses there in a minute. But we have the account there of the demon-possessed man of the Gadareans. For Jesus and his disciples have just crossed the Sea of Galilee, and during the trip over the lake, Jesus had commanded the wind and the waves to cease during the storm that had come up. We're all familiar with that story. The disciples were amazed at what they had just seen, but they were about to see something that was just as amazing. Because as Jesus was getting out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came running out of a cemetery there towards Jesus. And his name was Legion, and he had many demons within him. But when he saw Jesus, he recognized him immediately. The demons are going to recognize Jesus. He ran up to him and even bowed down to Jesus, acknowledging who Jesus was. And he begged Jesus not to torture him or send the demons far away. And he saw a herd of pigs there, and he asked Jesus if they could leave him and go into the pigs. Again, the story is familiar. I trust with all of us. And Jesus allowed this, and the pigs ran down into the lake and drowned. And as Paul Harvey used to say, now for the rest of the story. Look at, at verses 18 through 20. It says there, And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And I could ask at this point, is that the end of the story? No, it's not. If you go over to chapter 7, 
I won't read there, but you can read it on your own. Jesus came back to that, to that area again later on, and he healed the deaf and dumb men, but it says multitudes came out to the very same area. Now, who told who about Jesus? One person, from what we read here, probably had a lot to do with that. Maybe all of it. We don't really know. But many came out when he came back the second time. But the man who met Jesus had been changed. He wanted to follow Jesus wherever he went there, it says. But Jesus says, no, I have an important job for you. You stay here and you tell others of what happened to you. How many of us have told someone else about what Jesus has done for me or for you? We need to do that. We could go to the Great Commission where Jesus told his disciples, you know, go ye therefore and teach all nations, or as you go, teach as you're going, teaching them to observe all things. You know the account there. Teach them to know all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. He's going to be with us, even unto the end of the world. And so he has promised to to go with us. He has promised to help us, but he wants us to go. So are we like Legion? We accept Jesus and we want to spend the rest of our lives in his presence. And maybe for us today... We go to church and we fellowship with other believers. We learn to say and do the right things the right way. We don't want to leave the safety and the security of staying in that presence with Jesus. But we don't tell others what he has done for us. Jesus told Legion here, tell others about what I did for you. And how they too can be reconciled through their belief in him. And I think Paul is telling telling us the same thing here in 2 Corinthians. Our job is to tell others how to be reconciled to God. It would indicate that we are to plead with them. To come back to God. As his ambassadors... He is making his appeal through us. Stop and think about it. We are speaking for Christ. We'd say, well, Christ can do it. No, he, uses, he wants to use each one of us to share the good news. He wants, that's why we are here. We need to ask others to come back to God. Remember, even Peter said that he came in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and that's the name that we come in when we tell others, we speak to others. We come in his name. We don't come in our name. We come in his name. And so this morning, I just trust that as we wait upon the Lord, you know, Scripture also says that we are to occupy until he comes. What does that mean? Work. Do what he has asked us to. He has given us a message. He has given us a title. 
How many of you have business cards? See a show of hands. What's on your business card? Does it say you're an ambassador? Maybe it should say on there, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. And you know, while you put that on there, if you put that on your business card that you're an ambassador for Christ, also you can put on there that future governor. Why do I say that? Because if we are faithful to him here now, we do what he has asked us to do, and we are a born-again believer, we, can, we will rule and reign with him in the new kingdom. So will I be a governor? No longer be an ambassador. Everybody will be reconciled. But we will rule and reign with him. We will be kings and priests. I'm not sure just how it's worded there. And another thing as an ambassador that I just want to leave with each one of us this morning. Okay, you have an ambassador in a, let's say you have, we have an ambassador in Russia because of the things that are going on right now. You're an ambassador to Russia and there's going to, things are getting worse and worse. What is the first thing that happens that the U.S. government would do? to their ambassadors. Bring them home. Does that fit for you and I as ambassadors? Before the tribulation, we'll be called home. So it behooves us to be good ambassadors. Ambassadors about his kingdom. So as we anxiously wait the coming of the Lord, but in the meantime, we have a message and we have a responsibility. And it's for the whole world. And so regardless of where we're at, we have a job to do. So again, I ask us this morning, what is he asking of you in 22? I trust that we know. Lord bless you.